You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, friends. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. I'm a longtime yoga teacher, self-care coach, an astrologer, and a mama of two, soon to be three, little girls. And I'm so excited you're tuning in today. It's the first episode in Aries season. Yay! Aries is the first sign of the zodiac and, you know, just at least in my world, it feels like starting again, right? Starting new, even more so than the new calendar year. Aries season is in the spring, around the spring equinox, and it really, it comes after Pisces season, which is all about rest, going inward, and then literally completely on the other side of that energy, we come out ready to go and tackle things. And Aries is ruled by Mars, which is so helpful in understanding your anger, your motivation, your triggers. It's literally those things that light a fire under your butt. So we have a lot. I have a lot of Aries in my chart. If you have a lot of it in your chart as well, you might be feeling that right now. That little fire ready to go, start something new. This was this will continue really through the spring and actually get amplified in May when Jupiter enters Aries as well on May 10th. So, you know, slowly get out of your hibernation states, everybody, and start to think about what you want to start. Maybe a new self-care routine, maybe a new manifestation practice, which we're going to talk about today. I don't know, maybe a new baby. (laughs) So today, like I mentioned, we're talking about manifestation. And obviously, I love this topic. I've had lots of guests talking about it. I was so glad to have Afia's perspective today. She made she made a lot of helpful points that I hadn't thought through before, specifically around, you know, the full gamut of our emotions and why those are so important to feel and understand rather than just brushing them off. And this episode really speaks to and what I was talking about a couple episodes ago on manifesting things or trying to manifest things that we're not ready for. I heard this really interesting podcast article or podcast episode on another show. It was a conversation with Rachel Hollis, who wrote the book, Girl, Wash Your Face. And she was talking about, you know, when this, when that book came out, that was her sixth book. This was not her first roadie. And for whatever reason, that book just blew up. And as many of us know, it was just this huge mega hit. You couldn't go to an airport without seeing that book. She became a household name and her, her business and her career just blew up. And she said that same year was the most horrific year of her life. Most success she's ever had, but the hardest year of her whole life. Because ultimately she wasn't ready. She wasn't ready for this success. And you know, what my point in saying this is relates to manifestation and, and what Afia talks about today is that sometimes when we're trying to manifest things that we're not ready for, the universe is just letting us know, no, hold up. Give yourself some time, build your infrastructure. 
you know, make sure you're, you're fully capable of doing this in the best and most meaningful, long lasting way. So if manifestations sometimes seem like they're slow to come in, you just got to trust. You got to trust. Shoes is a really good example of, it's like when you're, you've ordered food at the restaurant, you know, it's coming. Some restaurants take longer than the others. Sometimes you know, it depends on the staffing and all the good things, but it's coming. You just got to hold on. So Take a breath, everybody. I really enjoyed this conversation. Let's talk about Afia. Afia Salter is a mindset and manifestation coach and the podcast host of the Manifest Edit. She's based in Australia, but she works with clients all over the world. I really appreciated her insight in overcoming challenge and, and a really challenging upbringing and how she has used that to thrive today and how she helps other people in that way. You can check out her show, The Manifest Edit, and connect with her on Instagram at Afia Salter underscore. That's E-F-I-A-S-U-L-T-E-R. Friends of the pod, thanks for tuning in this week. Um, for those of you that are around for a little while, so grateful. New new listeners, also so grateful. A very humble, humble bag right now. If you have literally 30 seconds to give this show a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. That would mean so much to me. Even better if you share this episode on Instagram or text it to a friend who might be interested in learning about you know really specific self-care practices. I will thank you personally if you let me know. <laughs> there are just so many new faces here and it's because of all of you for sharing this, this show each week. So thanks again. And finally, if you want to be part of the community even more, we do monthly events, free workshops, giveaways, all the good things. Make sure that you hop on to my email list by grabbing the free self-care for manifestation guide in the show notes. And you can follow along on Instagram at yoga magic podcast. And I'm at ashley.sondergaard. Alrighty, let's get to our manifestation chat with Afia Salter. All right, welcome Afia. I'm so excited to chat with you across the world right now. It's just connecting about manifestation and all the cool things that you're doing. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So I've listened to your show, The Manifestation Edit, and I've I've experienced just kind of how you approach manifestation. And it's it's so cool because on, you know, on all sorts of podcasts and different spirituality spaces, we talk about this stuff. But I do think everyone has their own little way of doing manifestation. Can you talk a little bit about your approach and maybe even like the backstory to how you got into this work? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I I just am obsessed with the work that I'm doing. And I think that a huge part of the reason that I did get into this work was due to my own story. And so uh, I definitely had sort of a non-traditional childhood. I was in the foster care system until I was age three, and then I was adopted. And I would say up until that point, I lived a pretty normal life, but then my mom actually got sick when I was 10 um, and her health very quickly deteriorated. So went from just kind of being a normal kid to looking after a parent and worrying about someone who was seriously mm-hmm. ill and just growing up very quickly. And then when I was 14, my mom actually passed away. And mm-hmm. because she was a single parent, that meant that my sister and I were both orphaned at that time. So growing up without parents and also being a black woman in Scotland or at that stage, a black girl, there was just so much, so many questions I had about my identity and who I was in the world and also how my experiences were going to be different from other people. And I just remember, you know, like things like 
going to the hospital on weekends and having sleepovers and just like wishing like I could have like sleepovers with my friends and just do normal kinds of things. So as I was growing up, that was my core belief and like the core thread that kind of kept me going is like, I just want to have a normal life. And it really led to number one, obviously it was like a survival instinct that kicked in and it definitely did serve me up until a point, but it also kind of became a negative thing. It became a limiting belief because I was working myself so hard. I felt like I had to work harder than everyone else to get to the same place, which in some aspects was true, but it meant that I didn't give myself grace. I didn't give myself time off. I didn't give myself time to grieve. I felt like I just wasn't allowed to show my emotions or feel my emotions. And that studying was the, you know, getting good grades was the only way that I was receiving kind of praise and affection from adults. So I based a lot of my self-worth on how good I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, air quotes, you can't see if you're listening. <laughs> air quotes, how good air quotes, how good I was and how much I achieved. And that really impacted my mental health. So I struggled really badly with anxiety and depression for, I would say, a really long time. And anxiety is definitely something I still experience now. Depression is not something that I regularly experience, but I was truly miserable. And I had finished my first degree and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I'd done all the things. I'd I'd lived my normal life. And in some aspects, I'd began to exceed what I thought would be possible for me. And then I was like, I actually don't know what I want to do next. I don't know where to go next. And having this fear in the background of, well, I don't have anywhere to go to figure this out. It's not like I can just like move in with my parents and discover like what I want to do. I need to have something lined up. Otherwise I'm going to be homeless. So I decided to go back to uni at this point and it was not the right decision for me. I went back to uni because I was like, I'm going to have the support of my social workers while I'm back at uni. And this is going to give me a little bit more time to figure out. But truly, I didn't really want to go back into studying because I was like very hard on myself when I was mm-hmm. studying and working myself too hard. And so that year, my master's year was a very difficult and miserable time for me. Um, and I just hit breaking point. There was a point when I stopped going to uni. I stopped leaving the house. I was truly, truly just you know, I felt done. I felt like I just like didn't want to show up for life anymore. And that led me to finally going to therapy, which is something I'd been trying to get into for a long time. And the great thing about Scotland is that we have a national health service, but the bad thing about the national health service is that, um, stretched to capacity. So when I initially went and I said, I think I need to be in therapy, they're like, we can't get you to see anyone for the next year. And I'm like, that's that's too long for me. Yeah. Yeah. A year. Um, So eventually I did get into therapy and it actually didn't work out because my therapist and I did not get on with each other, but it was the catalyst that I needed to make some serious changes in my life. And it was about that kind of time when I started learning about personal development, mindset and manifestation. And I was like, I actually can curate my own story for the life I want to live. And beyond just living a normal life, I can actually have an extraordinary life. And if I was to have that extraordinary life, what would that actually look like? And that led me to realizing that I didn't want to go straight into a career. And I moved from Scotland to Australia by myself, which was meant to be a trip for a year. And it's now five years later and I'm still here. Oh my gosh, that story. I don't know that I've heard it all. That's amazing. And I mean, and also so hard. I'm so sorry that that, you know, you lost your mom and that you had to deal with so much. The thing that struck me is like, 
you're so right that so many of us sort of fell back on our parents when we came out of college to just figure out what we're going to do. And you didn't have that luxury and you figured it out in a different way. So that's really inspiring. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think it is, you know, the case that we have these kind of predetermined paths that we need to follow. And I think for a lot of people that it does cause a lot of I don't know what I'm going to do next. And some people really thrive in that environment. And then some other people feel like I should have it figured out. So why don't I have it figured out? And I was definitely in that. I feel like I'm supposed to have things out and I don't camp. Mm. I I don't know. I think all of us are trying to figure things out. And why I'm so excited to talk to you. And again, knowing this background and you speaking too, as a black woman about manifestation is that often, you know, I myself, am when I'm talking about what I've manifested, I'm always reminded I'm coming from a major space of privilege. And, and I, you know, I, I always like to be really real about that. Yet you, what you are talking about is how much you've overcome and how that's helped you. Do you feel like those challenges that you faced so early on have made you hungrier for your, your manifestations, for your goals? Like how has that shaped kind of how you, you do this work? I guess you don't know any different, but when you speak to other black women about this, like what can you give to them from your experience? I think there is definitely a perspective that manifestation is just for privileged white people or that there is a, a certain look, or you have to be a certain way or a certain level of wokeness. And I really wanted to dismantle that and say that it's a space for everyone. And I think that we're often complicating what can be a simple thing. It's not necessarily easy, but it is simple. Like manifestation Mm -hmm. is simple. And in that as well, yes, there are certain lived experiences, traumas, experiences that are going to affect the way that people manifest. So, you know, even with my experience and all the things I went through growing up, I still did have some privilege that allowed me to maybe approach life in a way that is different for other people, especially now, you know, like living in Australia, having my own space to be in, earning good money. I'm aware that I have some privileges that other people don't. So we all have some privileges and we also also have our own lived experiences and our own traumas to go through that affect the way that we show up. So manifestation should never be about ignoring or pretending that those things don't exist. Mm -hmm. It should also never be about ignoring or thinking that your negative, in inverted commas, emotions are bad or that's something you can't feel or express. But it should be about realizing that wherever you want to go in your life, you have to take responsibility for the direction that you want it to go. And even though other people may have been responsible for our traumas or the limiting beliefs that we now hold, we're the only ones that now have the power to change our situation. And sometimes, yeah, that isn't fair, but that's just the way that life is. And when you can take that responsible that radical responsibility and also have compassion for yourself in the process, I think that's when your life really begins to change. Mm. It's like you said that before. That's like beautiful. <laughs> I love it. So I want to know about your specific approach. Like, how do you do this? Is it a journaling? Is it like when you teach people and you talk about it on your show, what is what are the specifics around your manifestation? So for every person, it is going to be a really individual experience. And I think part of that is that we all learn differently and process information differently. So for example, and this is something that I recently realized was that 
when people visualize things that they're actually seeing pictures, whereas I'm, it's just darkness for me. And I'm just thinking about the concepts rather than oh, actual really? pictures. I'm cool. like, wow, when you guys close your eyes, you see things. I'm like, I don't have that. Um, so it's, it's a wildly different experience for person to person. However, what does run the same for all my clients and students is that I have a five-step framework for aligned manifestation. And this isn't about saying at each step, you're going to journal for 10 minutes here, or you're going to meditate for 10 minutes here, but it's like, here are core themes that you should look at. And if you don't feel aligned with this theme, if you feel something's off here, then let's do a little bit of work around that so that you feel really grounded in who you are first before we're like, this is what I want to have. Okay. So I want to touch a little bit on toxic positivity because when we were setting up this conversation, that really spoke to me, like this idea of toxic positivity. I think I have this a lot (laughs) and it's, Partially just trying to get through the days um, as a as a parent, as you know, living in a weird COVID world right now. And yet there's a difference between like being optimistic and being toxically positive. Can you talk about what that is? Yeah. So toxic positive positivity is really the idea that you have to be positive all the time in order to manifest what you want and that your vibration is based on how um, high or righteous your emotions are. So I don't know if you've ever heard of the emotional scale, but the emotional mm-hmm. scale says like the the top emotion, the best emotion is love and the worst emotion is anger or hatred. And this is like at a zero and love is like at a hundred. So people hear concepts like that and they run with this and they think well if I have a negative thought or if I'm feeling bad then my vibration is low if my vibration is low I'm not going to manifest what I want and personally I believe that it's not actually being positive if you're lying to yourself about how you're feeling so rather than trying to be positive all the time and I'm not saying that it's not good to be optimistic it's just to make sure that you are honoring your actual experience and that if you do have a difficult emotion come up that you're not trying to immediately bat it away or get rid of it and that we don't feel guilt and shame for the emotions that you're holding we want to look at ourselves as a whole human and if you've ever heard terms like shadow work this is called shadow work because these aspects of ourselves are typically in the darkness because we don't want to look at them we feel like i can't i can't know this about myself i can't willingly say this about myself i'm not willing to look at these parts of myself and maybe be bad um but actually the truth is that all parts of ourselves are important and all of our emotions hold equal weighting and an example of this that was when this really clicked for me I was watching um, a Netflix documentary and it was a really devastating story and I remember at the time feeling really sad and just thinking about how beautiful it was to be able to connect with a story Mm. so deeply and to have those feelings and when we're trying to be positive all the time we forget that there's value in the other emotions as well like anger motivates me to go to the gym more than anything else when I'm annoyed and frustrated I'm like oh I'm gonna go to the stupid gym to do my stupid workout to make my <laughs> stupid self feel better and then I get there and I'm like this is amazing like you don't have to feel happy and positive all the time in order to manifest your desires some of the most incredible things I've manifested have been when I've been the most miserable so it certainly isn't tied to your emotions but actually just allowing yourself to acknowledge yourself as the whole human because if you can't acknowledge the parts of yourself that are in a vertical is dark, you'll always be in this state of perpetually chasing something that doesn't actually exist. Mm. Yeah. I, that I feel that I I'm with you that like some of the darkest moments and even recently I'm pregnant, I'm experiencing 
it's just, this is my fourth pregnancy. So I've definitely done this before and yet it's very different. And the hormonal roller coaster of this one feels completely triggering. I feel like straight, like at times, like out of control. And I think it's like a spiritual upgrade. I do. I like genuinely believe that in these moments where we're really going through tough things, we're growing. Can I change the way I'm feeling? Not really. I can't. It's not like, like you said, like toxic positivity isn't going to help in this situation. So kind of a follow-up question to this. Do you think that we can attract negative things with the energy that we're putting out into the world? Just like, do you have a theory on that? Yes and no. So I think we humans are the ones who have coined the terms positive and negative. So we are the ones who choose to interpret those experiences. So do we attract like less than savory things into our life? Yes, but not from a place of sabotage and like this is what you deserve or you don't deserve any better but maybe because we have misguided intentions about what we're manifesting so for example manifesting a relationship that isn't really fitting for you but if you have an experience in the past of dating narcissists or not being treated poorly in the past and that's just what you think you know that's what you think love looks like then you're not manifesting that out of a place of hatred or like oh i want to call in bad things into my life that's just the past experiences that you've had so we're the ones who choose whether our experiences are positive or negative and it's not like the universe is like dishing out like oh you've done a good job today so here's a reward here's a treat (laughs) or you've done a bad job you're going to be punished i think it's really important to know that but we can definitely call in negative experiences but it's not from a place of punishment it's just from a place of um a misalignment of awareness of what we actually want to call into our lives. But then just as we can call in um, negative manifestations, we can also set boundaries around what we are and are not available for. And when those in effect commas negative things come in, we can choose how we approach them moving forward. And what a lot of people will find is that as they're doing this work, and especially working on limiting beliefs, is that they'll do all this work, they'll feel like they've healed from something and then maybe a few months down the line or a few years down the line a situation will come up and they'll react the exact way they would in the past and they'll be like wait I thought I was past this I thought I was beyond this but why this happens is because your subconscious mind is storing all of these events all of these memories like everything you've ever happened to you that's ever happened to you even though you're not consciously aware of it your subconscious mind stores all of that And sometimes at the time when we are presented with something, we don't have the tools and the resources to handle it. So your subconscious mind will repress that. When we actually do have the tools and resources to deal with it later, your subconscious mind will represent that because you can now look at it in a different way. Mm -hmm. If you do react to it in the way that you were used to, in the way that you previously did, that doesn't mean that um, that you've done something bad. It's just an opportunity to look at how that reaction made you feel. And next time it comes around, you can do something differently or try again. And so for me, when I was 14, I didn't really know how to handle grief or emotions like that. So I just didn't deal with it. And then when I was in my late teens, early twenties, that was when I really began to process grief, not around, not only around my mom passing away, but also kind of grief over losing my childhood as well. Mm-hmm. So I did have the tools and resources at that point to actually approach it and um, to do the tools and healing that work for me and also just to sit with those emotions and acknowledge those emotions as well. Mm -hmm. It's like the triggers, those things that come up They're, I mean, they're gifts. And if we can use them, study them, do the the shadow work around them, that's when we can grow. Yeah. So it is kind of like 
it's a good thing when they show up, if they show up, I know what you mean though, or I, there's been several examples where I'm like, I totally got this. And then it shows up out of nowhere. And I'm like, Oh, going to go reprocess. <laughs> um, okay. So something that I, a lot of questions from past manifestation episodes and just friends. And we talk about this stuff is like, why are some things so slow to come in? Some things will just show up super fast and some things just seem to take forever. What, you know, I guess, how can we like tap into that trust that it's coming? Like, do you believe in timelines? What are your thoughts on, on getting our manifestations on like our terms? <laughs> yeah, I definitely believe we have our human timelines and then there's a universal timeline and that we maybe narrow-mindedly expect that they're aligned and we're like, why hasn't it arrived yet? But the universe isn't like, oh, it's 3 p.m. I said I was going to get a fear that like million dollars, I'm running late, guess I should do that now. It's not, is it doesn't work like that. Um, but something I will say is that it's interesting to know and it depends on specifically what you're manifesting. But for example, let's use the idea of a million dollars and you have a certain timeline, a certain way that you think you're going to manifest something you there's a difference between wanting a million dollars and also being willing to do what it takes to get a million dollars so for example wanting a million dollars might be like oh it'd be nice to have a million dollars and I'm just going to keep going um the way that I'm going and I'm going to trust that things are going to work out willing to get a million dollars and especially on a specific timeline might look like putting yourself out there for more uncomfortable situations and reject getting rejected more um than you would be at this moment in time so you have to be willing to push yourself more out of your comfort zone especially with those bigger goals and let's bring it down to like for example a hundred dollars and you want to manifest a hundred dollars you're envisioning this hundred dollar sale coming in for your business but if you were really willing to have it on your timeline no matter what you could go out there and sell a hundred dollars of clothes on ebay you're just not willing to put in the effort that it would take to do it that way around so we have to number one acknowledge whether those two things are actually aligned and whether we are prioritizing the things that we're manifesting or just saying that we want to manifest things. The other thing is things don't always happen on our timeline and there is good reason for this very frequently. So I like to use the example of a shop owner and they're like, yes, I would like to have X number of income. And by the way, it doesn't always have to be related to income. I just find these are the easiest examples mm -hmm, for yeah, people totally. to process. Um, this shop owner and they want to be like, yeah, if I want to be like a million dollar business this year. And it takes like a few years to get there, especially if you're a physical shop owner, having the capacity to process a million dollars of sales in a very quick amount of time, like you're going to need more staff, you're going to have to deal with more returns, you're going to have to do so much more things and make sure you actually have the infrastructure for that. So just as a business would have that in infrastructure, do you personally have the infrastructure for the goals that you're wanting to manifest? I see this a lot with relationships as well. Like I'm ready to manifest my dream partner, but are you actually ready to manifest your dream partner? Like, have you taken some time in between your last relationship? Do you actually know what you want in a partner? Do you know how you want to be treated? Are you treating yourself that way? Or are you just expecting somebody else to fill that void? Mm. Yeah. Yep. In this it kind of catches us by surprise sometimes. Like I, I'll use an example of how I'm experiencing this. So I really want to grow this show and the business and just, you know, all these pieces of my um, career. And yet I have soon to be three little kids. I reasonably, do I want to be taken away from them all the time? Not really. I don't, I want to do this thing, but I don't want to be so busy that I can't be with them. So is it, realistic for me to have specific goals out there that I can't achieve right now. Not really. And 
it'll come later. It'll come later. And that's like that trust piece. I like that reminder. Thanks for for sharing those stories. Cause I think that is, it's our subconscious, right? It's like, what do we really want? Yeah. I think that's a really great point because while um, this is a concept called secondary gain and you're aware of yours, whereas some people may have that underlying belief and not be aware of it. So mm-hmm. you might set the intention, like I want to manifest a million dollars. This would be amazing in the background, in their mind, they're thinking, well, if I have a million dollars, I'm going to have to manage more people. I'm not going to have any freedom. I'm not going to be able to spend time with people. I'm going to have to work so much. I'm going to get so many complaints. It's going to affect my self-confidence. So if you have all of those beliefs subconsciously, your subconscious mind is there to protect you. That's the sole job of your subconscious mind is to keep you alive and protect you. That's the main job. So if it thinks doing this thing, manifesting this goal, is not going to protect you, you are going to be self-sabotaging yourself in the background because that need to protect you is greater than the surface level of desire. How do we find that then? How do we find that that subconscious belief that, I mean, theoretically like a block to our manifestation? Well, yeah, first of all, it's Um, so one of the first steps in my vibes method for aligned manifestation is getting clear on your values and the kind of person that you want to be before moving into your intentions. And so a benefit of being clear on your values and your vision before moving into any intentions that you're setting is you can check your intentions for integrity against the values. So you're like, is this intention that I'm saying in, um, integrity with the, if, with the values. And if there is a mismatch there, you can look at exploring why that might be. And the other thing is remember that your subconscious mind is a child, your subconscious mind, you know, was forming up until the age of you were seven. So all of the beliefs that we have and all of the way that our subconscious mind speak to us is essentially an inner child. So what your subconscious mind needs is nurturing and love. So if you are feeling like manifesting a million dollars is going to cause me a lack of freedom where is a healthy place that you can feel like really free and really secure that you can prove to your subconscious mind we're still going to have this I'm putting processes in place to protect you and that we're still going to feel safe and supported in this vision so it's finding out what is out of alignment with the um, values that you're setting and finding healthy, positive ways to provide yourself that in order to move forward. And then you can also use tools to speak directly to your subconscious, like hypnosis or meditation and just really building that relationship through the process of self-inquiry and self-awareness. And I think it's a very, you know, I don't think we ask ourselves enough questions. And I always love when I'm having conversations with my friends and they're like, wait, have I been talking too much? Because I just like to like kind of listen and kind of, you know, prod them with some questions to get to the truth about how they're really feeling. And we don't do that with ourselves enough. So if we were to say, this is my intention, okay, what scares me most about the intention? How do I really feel about this intention? Ask those questions. You're always going to answer yourself honestly, especially if you're journaling on it too. Mm. Yes. Yes. Getting in that, that free writing journaling space for sure. Sometimes the stuff that comes out, I'm like surprised. (laughs) I tell a lot of clients to do that too. And I, that's cool that you refer to the subconscious as a child. I guess I've never like actually said that out loud, but that's totally true. And in astrology, we look to the moon to be the, the subconscious and the moon is where you feel the safest. So that would make total sense, right? That, that it would be a child who feels safe. That's where, you know, the subconscious is. Yeah. I'm just pulling it all together. My brain is thinking like you can, you can pull these in so many ways and, and speak to your subconscious. I'm such a fan of hypnosis. Do you do hypnosis, guided hypnosis? 
Yeah, yeah. I um, got certified in clinical hypnotherapy last year and I just love it as a tool. It's it's one of my favorite things. And um, so last year I made a hypnosis called A Gift from the Universe and it was about receiving daily gifts from the universe. Um, so whether that's compliments, whether that is discounts on things, whether that's angel numbers and just kind of like priming your mind to look for the best in things, to always be expecting the universe to be conspiring in your favor. Uh, so that's been really fun to play with. I love that. A friend, a good friend of mine has a show called Past Lives in the Divine, which is about accessing past lives through hypnosis. And it's just like, there's so much you can do in that hypnotic state. It's so cool. I love it. Yeah, I think it is like, um, I think we've just, you know, we humans have not accessed even like a tenth of like the potential and the information that we have within us and all of these tools and practices that allow us to go deeper inside. It can number one, be very confronting, but it can also be really beautiful as well. Building this relationship with yourself and learning more about yourself and also as a byproduct of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be kind of, it can be pretty tough. It can be exhausting. I always find I need to like a nap after like, like a food. <laughs> nourish my physical form. <laughs> oh my gosh, Sophia, this is so fun. So I want to know outside of the work that you do, you're helping other people. What do you do to take care of yourself? What are your self-care practices? I love going to the gym. This is just um, a non-negotiable for me. And it's not necessarily like when I started going, it wasn't necessarily to look better, but more for like the mental of how it made me feel and also like committing to something and showing up for myself. So even on days where I'm like, eh, I could probably miss the gym today. I'll be fine. I'm like, ah, I should get, I should get myself there. Um, so yeah, that's been a really great practice for me. Meditation every single day is like a non-negotiable. Like even if I'm at a music festival or at a party, I'm like, I've got to take some time out. I've got to do my meditation <laughs> for the day. Can't lose my streak on insight timer. Um, so I don't know yeah. if you've ever used it, but it says how many consecutive days you've and I'm like, I cannot lose this. Streak. How many so are you like at? Nine, Do you know? Uh, yeah. So I'm on 958. So oh my God. That's so cool. I can't quit now. <laughs> no, you can't. Holy buckets. Yeah. Um, so I love that. I love journaling. I love um, something that I'm incorporating into my life more this year, especially having been in Melbourne and spent basically the past two years in lockdown is more time for play. That's really important to me, doing things that are really fun, trying new hobbies, not having to be like, amazing at things or you know I'm a um what do you call it overachiever so having hobbies where I don't need to be good at something I'm just doing it for the joy of things is really important to me so last year I took up some dance classes which was really fun it was like interpretive dancing and I'm like this is actually like so magical um so my word for 2022 is magic and I'm just looking for those small moments and big moments of magic in every day as well Oh, well, it's a good show to be on for, for magic, <laughs> yoga magic. I'm with you. I love the play piece. Are there outside of dance? Is there other ways that like you found to play? Yeah. In so many ways, I think, um, taking myself out for dates, that's something I normally do every Sunday. I'll take myself out on a solo day. I might go to cinema, take myself out for dinner, um, you know, get dressed up and just like, yeah, enjoy like treating myself like the queen that I am. And <laughs> yes. Yeah. Really, um, connecting with yourself. I think also being playful and like going to the beach with friends and just hanging out and having um, time and space where there's no expectations other than just to be. Mm. You were the second person who told, who said today, going for a date, like taking yourself out for a date. And I've, no one's ever used that as a self-care example. And literally the second person I'm like, the universe is telling me something that's I need to take myself out on a date. I love that. And then too, like the idea of like a date, right? Like 
going to the movie or like going to dinner and not looking at your phone, just like enjoying that experience with yourself. That is a vibe like <laughs> into that. Oh, those are great examples. Thank you. Okay. So I feel like we've got a lot of ideas, a lot of, um, you know, practices and things that we can take into our manifestation journey. If this is something we're doing, if someone is brand new to the practice and they just kind of want to like understand it, is there a place where you would have them start? Yeah, I think first of all, like congratulations that you are at the beginning of such an exciting journey and just don't try and overwhelm yourself with knowing every single thing straight away. Just pick a couple of things that sound interesting to you and go research and learn more about those. So something jumped out at you about this podcast episode, you know, just pick one or two things and then go do some research on that. And then I'll also say, you know, just as a base definition of manifestation, that manifestation is the process of bringing something to life, of making something real. So if you have the thought that, oh, it would be really nice to have an ice cream. Manifestation isn't magically having that ice cream appear in your hand. It's the belief that, oh yeah, it is possible for me to get an ice cream. Oh, look at that. I have the exact money that I need to go and get an ice cream. Okay. I'm going to go to the ice cream shop and buy everything that takes place until it being in your hand is the manifestation of that. So action is absolutely a part of manifestation Mm -hmm. along with belief work and spiritual practices. And the belief work and spiritual practices are not to convince the universe that you deserve it, but to help you build your own belief and to help you align with the thing that it is that you desire to bring into your world. I heard someone say the other day, you can manifest an ice cube by putting water in the freezer. Like it's, you know, it's action. It's totally action. And those, in those beliefs and just that connection and getting in the vibration of where, what you want to bring towards you is some powerful magic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, at its core, I think manifestation is about relationships, the relationship you have with yourself and your subconscious, the relationship that you have with the universe and the relationship that you have with the future version of you and where you're going in your life and where, and the person who you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Fia, you're so inspiring. Thanks. Thanks for taking time today. I've really enjoyed this conversation and it's like the perfect way to end a day. I'm I'm feeling I just, I needed a little manifestation pick me up. Yeah, I've had some slowness, so it's been good just to get some reminders and I hope people are feeling inspired as well. Can you tell listeners how they can work with you, how they can find your show, um all of your good your goodness? Yes, and um just before I get into that, I will say that if you are manifesting something and calling in and you're like is it coming? Why hasn't it arrived yet? Think of manifestation as the process of ordering something at a restaurant. Like when you've placed the order, it is coming. It's just how long is it going to take the chef to put it together? Do they have all of the ingredients, all of these processes that go on behind the scenes? So you don't need to keep asking, like, you know, writing a hundred a hundred times down, the universe is giving me this, the universe is giving me this, the universe is giving me this. You don't need to do like writing it a hundred times when you have to do this practice every day for 60 days or it's not going to come. You only need to ask once everything else is to get your belief is to do the actions that is necessary to take you there. But once you've asked, it's on its way. You just have to trust and do the action, take the steps to call it in. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to leave it back because I think 
I think, um, you know, it's very easy to get impatient with the things that we want to manifest. And especially when we can look at online spaces and think like, oh, they just manifested this thing in 24 hours or they manifested this thing overnight. But it's, it's never overnight because it's about reaching the tipping point of all the compounded effort and action and everything else that you've been putting in. It's like growing this beautiful garden of all the things that you want to have in your world. And sometimes those plants may take a little bit longer or some of the plants may be like overgrown by weeds, but this is your beautiful garden to do what you want with and just, you know, trust that because you're putting in the love and the care that it is going to come to fruition. Mm. Totally true. Okay. So where can people find you? <laughs> so <laughs> I don't you want can to find me. <laughs> You can find me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm Salter underscore. Um, you can check out my podcast, the Manifest Edit podcast. And I also have a free training on the power of the subconscious mind, which you can check out by heading to afiasalter.com forward slash freebie. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We are here each Thursday bringing you self-care ideas, practices, mindsets, and so much more. So make sure to follow along on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast and at Ashley.Sondergaard. See you next week, everyone.